Well, we are here at Daytharian New Hope Radio. Hope you can catch us in one of our outlets, newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, WARV 1590 AM, 92.7 FM. Here also. And then the Hope Club Podcast. Always there as well. Today we delve into a basic Bible truth. We're in a series entitled Basic Bible Truths. And the things that every Christian should know. Really. If you're a follower of Christ and you know you have a walk with God and you know you're going to heaven, there's things that we should know about that walk. And that's why this series is so important. We're going to outline many aspects of the Christian life to give us that strong foundation. Bible basics, it's what we need. When you get a strong foundation, you can build, right? No foundation, no building, Jesus. He told a parable about that, didn't he? Two guys built beach houses. One built it right on the sand. He was in a hurry. The other one, he put in a foundation. But when the storm came, it blew away the house on the sand. But the one with the foundation, it stood strong. Because it had a foundation. That's what these Bible basics are. They're foundations for our Christian walk. Want to stand strong? Learn Bible basics. Today we delve into another truth that we should all know. And this topic, it settles the issue of our salvation. How to get it? And the, here it comes. And the permanency of it. How much do you see the value, not only in understanding salvation, but how permanent it is? That's a big part of it, you know. The permanency of your salvation. Every so often, somebody will ask me if their salvation is not permanent, if they can lose it. Or maybe some people, they're afraid that they might do something and God will take it away. That's why an understanding of what we're going to talk about today, imputed righteousness, it's going to answer that question. Today's topic righteousness. What is it? Why do I need it? And how do I get it? Very important topic. We're going to take a look, first of all, at the righteousness of God and what it means to us and what it does for us. Okay? Now, the Greek word for righteousness is diakosune. Okay? And it's a state of approval by God. When you have righteousness, and we're going to see how you get it, you are in a state of approval by God. Jesus said in Matthew 5.20, He said, For I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now I'm like, wait a minute, the scribes and the Pharisees, these are the holy people, right? Oh yeah, but they weren't that holy. They were religious, outwardly, they had a lot of ritual, they had a pretty good showing outwardly, but inside, you know what Jesus said? Dead men's bones. So he said, the righteousness that they had, that was a performance-based righteousness, 
And that is not good enough to get you into heaven. That's why he said, your righteousness has to surpass <clears throat> that of the scribes and Pharisees. It has to surpass the performance-based righteousness. Jesus talked about their hearts. Their hearts are not good. And they weren't really walking with God. Even though they made prayers and sacrifices, they still weren't really walking in their hearts with God. So, what are we saying? Righteousness, it's not based on action. It's based on character. So let's look at today four aspects of righteousness. I'll shut that off. Okay. Four, very simple. If you get these four things down today, you're doing pretty good. You get an A in Bible class. Okay. Number one, God is righteous. I mean, like, this is where it begins, right? God is righteous. The Bible tells us, Psalm 11, verse 7. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. So think about that. God is righteous. He loves righteousness. And those that are righteous will see him. We will be with him. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, he said, Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. And I love that. Jeremiah is saying, Lord, I know you're righteous, and therefore I can come to you for a righteous judgment. Think about that. Now, we have court systems in our world, and they're not always right. They're imperfect. And they always don't pass down a righteous judgment. But with God, because he is righteous, the judgments that he passes down are always righteous. So Jeremiah is saying, I'm not afraid to go to God because I know he'll be righteous with me. And we need to be like that. Don't be afraid to go to God. He'll be righteous. Whether you like the answer or not, it's still a righteous answer because God is righteous. Okay. Now, can we depend on God to be righteous? Well, James gives us, uh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good illustration. James 1. He said, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. What's he saying? That what we have from God, it's constant. Think about the sun. The sun above gives light, but it eclipses, it turns. It rises and it sets. It casts shadows. It brings the season. But God, he never changes. God is consistently faithful. And he never changes. Oh, I like this. He never changes in his character. Did you ever get moody? <laughs> I have, right? You get moody, right? And it changes your character for a time. But not with God. God doesn't get moody. Therefore, his character never changes. The Old Testament prophet Malachi said, For I, the Lord, do not change. God is telling him, Malachi, listen, I'm the Lord. I don't change. I'm consistent. I am the only constant in creation. Everything else changes. God is constant. And that means that his righteousness 
is constant. Evil cannot proceed from him. The Apostle John, he confirms James' statement that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So what we're saying is God is righteous in his character. Remember we said it's character that God is looking for, not our outward performance. Performance doesn't make anybody righteous enough to get to heaven. It's character. And character shows that a person is righteous. But you say, wait a minute, if character is what God is looking for, well, how how am I going to get that character? Well, that's why we're here today. We're talking about that. We need God's righteousness as human beings. Okay? We need it. The Apostle Paul, he addressed it in Romans 3, verse 10. He said, here's why we need God's righteousness. There's none righteous. Huh. Not even one. I guess that settles it, right? There's none righteous. Or you could say there is no one righteous. Not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every human being. Every human being is born with a sin nature. And every human being has committed sin. And therefore, it put us outside of the perfect righteousness of God. You can't have a relationship with God unless you have His righteousness. So we're all in trouble. Everybody. But wait a minute. We can get God's righteousness. How do we get it if we're going to live with God? You know what I believe the first step is? You have to want it. That's what I believe. I believe in the free will of the believer, where we all decide for ourselves if we want God or not. So Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Joy comes to those that are hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God for they shall be satisfied. You see, hunger and thirst, it's a, it's a desire. It's a drive. When I'm spiritually hungry, it leads me to faith. When, I hung, when, I, <laughs> when, when I'm hungry for food, it gives me a desire to eat, right? When I'm physically hungry, it leads me to food. When I'm spiritually hungry, it leads me to God. Okay, so what kind of hunger do I have? And when I'm hungry for God, I have a desire to seek Him. When I'm hungry for Him, right? If you're hungry for Twinkies, you're going to go find some Twinkies. If you're hungry for ringdings, you're going to go find some ringdings. If you're hungry for pizza, you're going to go get a pizza. If you're hungry for God, you're going to go seek after God. And God is easy to find. Oh, yeah. He's not playing hard to get. Not at all. And by the way, we go after God because it's His righteousness that we need in order to have a relationship with Him. Like I said, works always fall short. They do. Paul said in Romans 4, verse 5, But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. 
Now, when Paul said the one who does not work, it doesn't mean the guy that doesn't have a job. No, he's not talking about that kind of work. He's talking about working toward God religiously, ritually, doing things to get God's approval. No, you don't work for that. But you do believe. The one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, that faith is credited as righteousness. So God sees your faith, right? Not your works, your faith. And then he says, boom, righteous. And he makes you righteous. And of course, what is our faith in? It can't be in yourself. It can't be in your church. It can't be in your abilities. It can't be in your niceness. No. It's got to be in Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin. So I would read it like this. God the Father made God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everything points to Christ. Everything. How many people do you think go to church every Sunday and they're never presented with Christ? Too many. Too many. How many people go to, don't go to church on Sunday because they're never presented with Christ? What does that mean? It means that in their mind, why should I go? There's nothing happening. But when Christ is presented to people, let me tell you something. It happens. Something happens. And if you're hungry, you reach out in faith and you embrace him and something happens. So it is faith in the work of Christ on the cross that leads us to this third aspect of righteousness, imputed righteousness. Okay, there's a process here. That's what we're looking at, the process. First of all, we saw God is righteous. Then we saw, well, man is unrighteous. He needs righteousness. Now, the next step, when you reach out for Christ, you have what is called imputed righteousness. What does that mean, imputed righteousness? That's not a usual Sunday morning word, is it? It means to ascribe to someone by virtue of a similar quality in another. You know what that means? Did I lose you? It means that God has a quality and he ascribes it to the believer. And what is the quality that God has? Righteousness. So he ascribes righteousness to the believer. That's imputed righteousness. Another way to understand it is to put something in somebody else's account. So let's say you're going to give someone some money, but you're not going to hand it to them, so you're going to put it in their bank account. You've ascribed money to their account. So what God did, he ascribed righteousness to our account. In our account before God, we have now become righteous. And when does that happen? When we're in Christ at the moment of faith. Boom. Right then and there, in a split second. The moment you accept Christ as your Savior, God ascribes righteousness to you. He puts righteousness in your account. 
Now, you are not spiritually bankrupt. Oh, you've got some of the riches of heaven. You've got God's righteousness. That's what you've got. But it came from God. God ascribed to you a virtue that was in him. It wasn't in us. He didn't draw it out of us. We didn't have it. But he ascribed it to us because of our faith in his son and his work on the cross. See how it works? This is beautiful. In Romans 5.18, Paul said, So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. What was that one transgression? Adam in the garden. One guy, he created a sin nature with his wife because of sin, and now all humanity is condemned. But then Paul said, even so, through one act of righteousness, and what was that one act of righteousness? Jesus Christ, his perfect life on the earth, and his perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. So through that one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. That means to all people. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, that's Adam, it affected all of us, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous, and that speaks of Christ. That's why Jesus is the focal point. Can you see why he's under attack by the cosmic system, by the world? At the name of Jesus, some people flip out. Oh, they get so angry. I don't want to. Why? Because there's a spiritual warfare going on. Satan has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. So the unbeliever says, huh, he didn't blind my mind. (laughs) That's evidence that he did. Because you're blinded. But if you have a hunger, and I really believe when you have that desire, God removes the blinders. And you can see Christ for who he really is. So, Jesus Christ represents the righteousness of God, and the believer becomes what Christ is at the moment of salvation. Think about that. Imputed righteousness from God is given to you, is assigned to you. And at that moment, you become like Christ. Christ had righteousness because of who he was. And when God imputes his righteousness to us, we become like Christ. And here's the good news. That righteousness cannot be removed. So the salvation cannot be taken away. And why is that? Because we are in Christ. That's the key phrase. In Christ. When you're in Christ, you can't get out. You're in. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. And therefore, our salvation is secure. Can you see why theology must be taught in church? Theology is the study of God. And it's the basis of our faith. I mean, if we're not going to learn about God in church, why are we going? Why do we go? 
If we don't learn these Bible basics in church, why do we go? That's where faith is built. Faith is strengthened through the Word of God. Weak theology means weak faith, right? Strong theology means strong faith. That's the way it is. And what does Hebrews 11 say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh, if you have no faith, man, forget it. God is looking for faith. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose heart is toward him. Some translations say, for those whom he can strongly support. The point is, he's looking for hungry people. Ask yourself, am I hungry for God? Am I thirsty for God? If you are, you'll find him. If you're not, you'll stumble around in the dark the rest of your life until you do. Say, I'm not in the dark. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. So we've got this righteousness of God. It's only in him. Man has no righteousness within himself. But then through faith in Christ, God imputes righteousness to the believer at the moment of salvation. And then here's the fourth aspect of our righteousness today, imparted righteousness. And this is important too. It's just four little steps we talked about today. I hope you can remember them. Imparted righteousness is Christ assigning his righteousness to us at the moment of believing. I mean, excuse me, that's imputed righteousness. Okay, like I just said, it's imputed, it's assigned to us. Now, imparted righteousness, here it is. It's our presenting that righteousness to others in our daily lives. In other words, it's living out our faith. Imputed righteousness, God puts righteousness inside of us. Imparted righteousness, we reveal it. We live it out. We're imparting it to others. We're making it known. Here's what a Christ follower looks like. And we live in the righteousness of Christ. And how do we do this? Well, John said, walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Right? You walk in the light. You don't walk in the darkness of this world. You walk in the light of his word. Boom. There it is. It's that simple. We don't make it any complications here. It's all simple. Paul says in Ephesians 4.30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Sealed. Marked out as belonging to God. That's what that means. And it's a perfect tense. You know what that means? It can't be changed. It's forever. And when you understand the Greek grammar, you will see how your salvation is secure. There's no doubt about it. There is no wondering if that gift of eternal life is conditional. It's unconditional. Once you have it, there are no conditions that can take it away. Okay? So don't grieve the Spirit. Don't, you know, live in sin. Why? Because you were sealed by that Spirit for the day of redemption. Now, here's how I impart righteousness to people. Here's how I live out my faith. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. 
along with all malice. That's the negative. Here's the positive. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's how you impart righteousness to other people. Paul said in Ephesians 4.24, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There it is. God made you a new creation and you have God's righteousness. Walk in it. Live in it. It's fun. Live in the righteousness of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, your Christianity should not be a secret. Your your Christianity, Christianity, it's easy for me to say, should be a light in a world of darkness. That's what it should be. So that's righteousness. What is it? And how do we get it? Okay? It's the perfect virtue of God. Man is void of it in his natural state. But God imputes it to us at the moment of faith in Christ. And when we have it, we walk in it, and we we reveal it to others. This is the basis of our walk with God. It's also the basis of our security in our salvation. And it also teaches us how to have a relationship with the world. Isn't that the most important thing? Isn't that who we are? People of God living in a world, a world filled with people that need to know God. certainly do. But I want you to know two things. Number one, if you put your faith in Christ, you have God's righteousness and you are perfect in His sight. He can't love you any more than He does. You are perfect. Your sins have been washed away and you are righteous. Secondly, He gives you the beautiful privilege to live in that righteousness and be the kind of a person that is a blessing to other people just like God is a blessing to you. Let's learn these basic truths because I'll tell you what, they're the foundation of our Christian walk. As we learn these things, we'll grow stronger and stronger in our faith and in our dependence upon God. Have a great day. Thanks for coming along today. Don't forget about the Hope Club and the Hope Club podcast. Go there, you can hear these messages all over again, the Hope Club podcast. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time.